0: Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And today we are going to talk about women-owned businesses. Specifically, we're going to be talking about the growth of women-owned businesses. Now, we hear a lot about that, how the number of women-owned businesses are outpacing all others. But there's a a statistic about women-owned businesses that leave a lot of those who study and work On women's enterprise growth, scratching their heads a bit, and that is the number of women-owned businesses that are ever able to reach over a million dollars in revenues
1: for many, many years now.
0: That has held steady at just 2%, 2% of all women-owned businesses ever reach a million dollars. And it's been that way. That number has not changed for 15 years.
1: Now, our guest today, Julie Weeks, has taken a deep dive
0: into some previously unpublished census data, and she has some surprising news to share with us about women-owned firms that have not only reached that $1 million level, but they've reached over $10 million in revenues. But first, let's get a bit of background about Julie. Julie has worked in this space for many, many years. She is quite an expert in it. She is the president and CEO of Women Able, and she's also one of the world's leading experts in the field of women's enterprise development. She has experience both in the private and public sectors, and she works in the areas of research, public policies, and program management. Before she founded Women Able in 2005, she served as the executive director of the National Women's Business Council. For those of you who are not familiar with the Women's uh, Business Council, that is a federally funded bipartisan policy advisory board that was created by Congress to serve as an independent voice on women's entrepreneurship and as an advisor to the president, to Congress, and to the SBA. So a very powerful organization. Weeks has also served as the Director of Research and Managing Director of the Center for Women's Business Research. She's been the Deputy Chief Counsel for Statistics and Research at the Small Business Administration and was Vice President for Research and Public Policy at two market research firms. She also served for a number of years on the National Board of Directors for NABO, and she is currently on the board of the Global Banking Alliance for Women and is the Chair of the Board of the Association of Women Business Owners. Importantly... She's the author of the State of Women-Owned Business Report, which is published annually by American Express Open. So Julie has lots and lots of experience in this area, and I'm very excited about some of the news that she has to bring us today. Welcome to the show today, Julie.
1: Hi, Kelly. Great to talk to you again.
0: Okay, so this new report that's out is called Growing Under the Radar. Why did you title it Growing Under the Radar? What do you mean by that?
1: Well, it was kind of interesting after looking at the information, which, as you mentioned in the intro, is from previously unpublished census data. I mean, it was surprising to discover, as you said, we've been confounded we folks in women's enterprise development that even though in, in absolute numbers the number of women-owned firms with a million or more has grown about at the same rate as everybody else, it's remained 2% of the women-owned business population. But when we've taken a look at that population of million-dollar-plus women-owned firms, we have found that the women-owned firms with the very highest um, revenue, 10 million or more, yeah. has been growing significantly uh, greater than yeah. not only all firms at 10 million more, but all million-dollar women-owned firms and such. And so essentially this growth has been happening under the radar or below our very noses. So mm-hmm. that's, <laughs> that's why we yeah. titled it the re- report that way.
0: Yeah, and if I understand, this data has actually been available for a while, but the the Census Bureau doesn't publish it until you personally, from what I understand, actually ask them for it. Is that correct?
1: Yes. When when they come out with the uh, quinquennial, every five-year survey of business owners, the census statistics, um, the largest revenue category is $1 million or more. Mm. And that's because, you know, it's 2% of the women-owned business population and only 5% of all firms and so given that the census bureau not only publishes numbers nationally but by state by industry by metropolitan area i mean there'd be a lot of disclosure problems if they sliced it more finely and then just you know spit out a lot of tables and so they have um kept it at a million dollars plus as the largest category but i you know i've had a relationship with them over the years and, and was meeting with them last year and said, you know, I'm wondering, given the fact that I keep scratching my head at the this 2% that hasn't changed, do you have data available, you know, for the 1000000 plus population anymore, finally? And they said, sure. <laughs> and <laughs> well, I said, well, then, could you uh, perhaps run some tables for me? And they said, we'd uh, be happy to. So we now have information on not only just, you know, the million plus in general, but three subgroups, one to four point nine million in revenue, five to nine point nine and ten million dollars and more. So that's what's contained in this report. And it's that last group, that last level, that really showed
0: some surprising results. Can you talk to us more concretely, more specifically about the
1: numbers mm-hmm. that you you found in those tables? Yeah, absolutely. Um this is looking at the last ten years, so from from two thousand two to twenty twelve and the number of all women owned firms um has grown by about twenty nine percent um the number of million dollar plus firms about the same rate but uh women owned firms with ten million dollars or more in revenue up fifty seven percent over that ten year period, which is um forty seven percent faster than all ten million dollar firms, you know whether they're male or female owned mm-hmm. and nearly twice the rate. Of the growth in the number of all women-owned firms, so it's it's tremendously positive news that again has been kind of happening under our very Right, houses.
0: and so why is this so important? the
1: The fact that
0: that level in particular has grown at such a significant rate, why is that important? What are the implications?
1: Yeah, what's important really is that if you, if you look at million-dollar-plus firms, even though as I said a minute ago, they're only two percent of the women-owned firm population and only 5% of the overall business population, those firms account for about two-thirds of employment of women-owned firms, about 70% of the revenue of women-owned firms. And if you're looking at million-dollar-plus firms in the economy overall, which includes you know, large publicly traded firms, million-dollar businesses are employing almost 9 in 10 workers nationally. So it's very important when we're seeing the numbers of these firms rising in the small no. business population that more and more employment and revenue are going to follow. Okay, so direct correlation with job growth—that that is one of the biggest
0: takeaways from this new information. And uh, interestingly, um, this actually just occurs to me. Uh, a report came out. I think it was last year. It's been fairly recently from Kaufman. Saying that the greatest job growth overall, not just women in firms, but the greatest job growth overall was occurring in in new firms, uh, Mm -hmm. within the first five years. And then it plateaued. So, can you give us any information that would help to reconcile what your findings were with what that Kaufman report showed up? I mean, are these uh, women-owned firms? Are they uh, at that $10 million mark? Are they young firms that have grown rapidly? What are you seeing?
1: There's certainly since uh, we don't know specifically from the census data when the year the firm was founded. However, that the fact that most. Job and revenue growth happens um in the first years of a firm's founding that's been kind of true for a while and so mm-hmm. chances are these firms that are growing up to the ten million dollar level are um younger than the firms that have been around for twenty years. But one thing I think that's different about the larger women owned firms now, the ones that have gotten past a million dollars in revenue or past ten million dollars in revenue is that they're much more likely today to be founded by that woman yes. than a generation or two ago. I mean, you know, think about 10, 20 plus years ago, women-owned firms at that level of sales accomplishment were much more likely to have been inherited by the woman from, you know, the father who has passed away or a husband. Right. So now these firms are, you know, women much more likely to be women-founded firms.
0: Sure, and and that is a that is a telling statistic because, uh, as you point out, this is the woman who is building that that firm. It's not something that she just took over, and as long as she didn't make any wrong moves, <laughs> things that's right. We're okay. This that's this right. is somebody who actually had to create the foundation, build it up, and and keep it uh, accelerating to the degree Absolutely. that to to hit those kinds of numbers. Mm-hmm. So, what what do you think? Um, is contributing to that growth? What are the reasons behind it from your perspective?
1: I think there's a couple of things going on. Number one, it's it's kind of a natural progression. We have seen, um, you know, before we kind of lifted the lid and, and looked in more detail here at the revenue, we've seen the number of women-owned businesses increasing at rates um, one and a half times the national average. So there are more and more women getting into business. So it would stand to reason, even though, you know, very few businesses get to the million-dollar level because more and more women are getting into business, then more and more women are reaching this level of of sales accomplishment. So we're kind of feeding more women into that pipeline of of entrepreneurship. But I think a couple of the things that really have helped women reach um, this very high level of of sales accomplishment is that there are much more um, peer networking groups than now than there were a generation ago and, and given that there are more women at that level there are more mentors uh, yes. for these women who are interested in growing so i think that's something that's very different now you know than a generation ago
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let me ask you this as
0: well, it just occurs to me, along with the additional resources in terms of, of programs that can help, uh, you know, educational foundations uh, with when it comes to different aspects of business, but, you know, the mentorship too, what about uh, just just technology in general? Technology that can be used uh to streamline processes as well as technology when it comes to communication, so that they can uh, get the word out about themselves more to so that they can connect with others maybe a world away who mm-hmm. they never would have been able to reach out to before because the technology wasn't available i mean do you think any of that absolutely
1: things have contributed? that certainly has contributed, and I think another aspect of technology is in its like one of my favorite New Yorker cartoons from like 10 years ago or so when there's this dog at a computer and it says on the internet nobody knows I'm a dog and so <laughs> it's you know on the internet nobody knows I'm a woman owned business you know if it uh-huh. it might dissuade somebody perhaps from from uh, you know purchasing the product of a woman owned business if you think oh that's you know the, the old uh, myth about being smaller, less financially stable, that sort of thing. I mean, we've put those myths to rest, I would hope, like a decade ago. But, um, you know, on the Internet, you're being judged not by what you, the owner, look like, you know, in terms of gender or race or whatever, but by um, your product or your service. And I think that's very helpful for women-owned businesses. I think it's very helpful for minority businesses, too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And and yeah, taking it's the it's technology just a step further, right. um, do you think that it's also contributed to of opening up the, the, the marketplace, market. not just the, the communication, being able to reach out to new resources and to new connections of people who can help them, but in terms of the marketplace, uh, the global marketplace, where business might have been stifled by its, its locality now, the world that they can sell to. Has that helped with these numbers, do you think? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. I think it's also helped in terms of the location of a business. I mean, you know, you and I are both located in the Midwest, and, you know, so we're not in Silicon Valley or a very large metropolitan area. So it helps not only with reaching customers around the world, but it helps, um, you you know, headquarter your business in whatever community that you desire. Because if you've got high-speed Internet and you've got, you know, your friendly UPS or Federal Express driver, then you can get your products and services out there just as easily as, as somebody uh, who lives in a m- large metropolitan area.
0: Sure. Now, a lot of times women get stereotyped as owning hobby-type businesses, businesses <laughs> that are, you know, they're making baskets and nothing wrong with that. But but yeah. you, it's going to be very hard to become a $10 million business uh, making baskets. Are you seeing that, There's certain types of industries where this growth is occurring mostly, or is it pretty well distributed?
1: Well, um, the overall trend in women's entrepreneurship, you know, leaving revenue aside, is that there really is no such thing anymore as a typical woman-owned business where, you know, 10, 20 years ago, it would be a small personal services firm, you know, it could be, beauty salon, dog walking or whatever, you know, the the stereotypical right. but the fastest growing industries overall for women, you know, regardless of sales are industries such as transportation and construction. So women are now located in every single industry. That said, you're quite right that there are some industries that are much more scalable than others in terms of, you know, more easily reaching the one million or ten million dollar mark. Mm-hmm. So taking a look at the this newly published Census yeah. data: um, the industries long. in which yeah. the greatest share of the million-dollar-plus yeah. women-owned firms have ten million dollars or more mm-hmm. are in um, several industries. Wholesale trade, mm-hmm. you know, twenty uh, percent of of um, Firms in that industry that have a million dollars or more in sales have ten million dollars or more, and that's you know compared to eight percent overall of the one million plus firms that have ten million. Other firms that are more likely than average to have scaled up to that ten million dollar mark are women-owned finance and insurance um, businesses, transportation, and arts, entertainment, and recreation. Um, you know, like golf courses or or other entertainment or recreation mm-hmm. companies. Those are the ones that seem to be scaling um up to the high level. Also though, a second point is that looking at the growth over time over these past ten years, the fastest growth in the ten million dollar plus women owned firms over the past decade is in healthcare and social assistance and education services. So even though they're not scaling is big, you know, compared to some of the other industries right now. They are growing faster in terms of the 10 million plus. So, even though it's from a smaller base, those are two industries where there's a lot of future growth potential for very large women-owned firms.
0: Okay. And I was I was actually a little surprised not to see health uh and education on that list, and so I'm glad you brought that up because mm-hmm. you, they're they're coming on strong now.
1: They are coming on strong that you know, part of the challenge is that when you you get very, very large. Um, it's hard to to remain privately held and majority women owned, and and when your competitors, you know, are very large healthcare companies that might be publicly traded, then uh, you know a privately held majority women owned firm maybe has a harder time scaling. You know, and right? That's th- this um, this analysis is taking a look at. The revenue growth or the growth of the firms by revenue of privately held majority women owned firms
0: okay now you were quoted recently in Forbes, and what what you said was it's the natural extension of women in business. You were talking about uh the fact that uh, the uh, the women owned firms at the ten million dollar level, as we've talked about, are outpacing all ten mm-hmm. million dollar firms in growth, and they're accelerating. faster than all women-led firms and and as you were quoted you know you said it's a natural extension of women in business it makes great sense that the longer women are in business the more they'll grow at the upper level so mm-hmm. it goes back a little bit to what I was asking you before uh, with regard to the age of these businesses. Were you referring specifically to the age of these businesses or just the fact that there have been more women becoming business owners over the last few decades than there were previously in history? What yes, were you referring the, the, to there? The, the latter,
1: yes, that, that mm-hmm. uh, there are more and more women getting into business today than 20 years ago you know, relative to all the people going into business so it would stand to reason, with more and more businesses being started, that there's a greater likelihood. One would hope, anyway, that uh-huh. that they are going to be growing and scaling up to these high revenue marks. I mean, that certainly there is still a gap. I mean, you know, the another way to look at the uh, what I've said before, when two percent of the businesses with a million or more, in, or two percent of women-owned firms have a million or more in revenue, compared to five percent of all firms so that shows that that women are still less likely to grow to scale when you're comparing it with the average business but within the population of women business owners we are seeing a lot of positive movement into higher and higher growth levels so it's it's very gratifying to see this happening
0: yeah and as you say you've been able to uh, find a direct correlation between the number of jobs that they create so it has a, a huge impact on employment uh, and I know, oh, I'm, oh, I'm going to forget the name of the insurance company not too long ago. Within the last few years, one of the insurance companies actually put out a report uh, to that effect that by, you know, uh, 2020 there would be most of the, the new job creation would be
1: uh, by women-owned firms. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember totally, when that came out. I, yep. I think might be a little overly optimistic, but uh, I'm... Be happy to be proven wrong <laughs> <laughs>
0: wouldn't we all yeah <laughs> so okay so we, we've said a number of times during this conversation that women still lag getting to that to getting to that one million dollar mark 15 mm-hmm. years stuck at two percent
1: mm-hmm. and
0: what what do you think is contributing to that you know you've got this breakout group that has hit that over 10 million and is growing so rapidly mm-hmm. but why do you think that we're still with all the factors being the same you know women are have now been in business longer and we have access to more resources and technology and all of those things why do you think that it's still difficult to break that one million dollar mark for for most women on
1: firms well, I think um, part of what was going on, or at least part of my hypothesis was that, well, let's see, if it's if it's remained 2%, maybe at least within that 2%, there's been more robustness. And I think with, with this report, we've shown that to be the case for sure, that, that more and more firms at the $10 million plus level. The other thing that, that might be impacting the fact that that 2% has remained essentially unchanged is that one of the things that happens to a business as it grows is it gains um, outside equity investment, you know, whether it's a, mm-hmm. an institutional investment or an angel capital, or you're sharing um, part of the ownership of the business with senior employees. And so it's possible that a woman-owned business slips below that 51% ownership threshold as she gets above and beyond the million-dollar mark in which case she's disappearing from the population of the majority woman-owned firm. Mm -hmm. You know, the Census Bureau, you know, that's the definition. Um, So I think another aspect of this and something I'm hoping to look at in the future is to look at um, women-led businesses, which are, you know, those that would be majority women-owned plus those that would be plurality-owned, meaning a woman is managing the business and is the largest single owner but she has other folks with an equity stake in the business such that her ownership share, while the largest, is below 51%. So I think there's also some of that going on. Um, Thirdly, and, you know, a lot of the discussion has been around how do we get women to dream bigger and to grow bigger. Um, And I think there still is a lot that we need to do with um, mentoring, role models, showing women that, that there are a lot of different ways to grow because I think part of... We do women a disservice because part of the discussion about growth is an either-or kind of a conversation and it's Mm -hmm. also very testosterone-charged with, you know, you've got to get big, you've got to get venture capital, you've got to grow, grow, grow. And a lot of women and, you know, a lot of men, too, don't really want to grow that rapidly. They'd rather do it a little more organically and and with uh, other goals besides just revenue, and I think we need to show more examples of businesses that are growing and doing well and doing good, too, in the world, um, and show that that's a way to grow a business, that it's not just grow fast, shoot for the stars, you know, have a, a really steep trajectory. I think there's a lot of different ways to grow, and we need to show more of that, those kind of examples.
0: Julie, as, as you were talking, it also struck me that uh, as more and more women take their businesses you know, in spite of what you said, uh, you know, about the, uh, the testosterone and everything uh, there are still, as we're seeing a number of women who are taking their businesses to those higher levels and as we get more women in those kinds of positions where they have a lot more influence, they reach mm-hmm. many more people, they are employing more people, so many more Uh, people working uh, in their companies, do you see uh, the face of business, well, obviously it's female face, but, I mean, do you see the way business is conducted changing as a result of more women uh, in these roles of even larger
1: leadership roles, I guess I'm trying to say? Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, there's been a lot of research that's shown that that women really do – lead differently in their businesses. And, you know, they have flatter organizations. They, you know, include more people in decision-making. I think um, they're more flexible in um, employee hours because they kind of understand themselves what it is to juggle work and family. So I think when you have more and more women who are in positions of greater business power because, you know, they are running a business that's, a multi million dollar business that's really gonna positively impact impact all of their employees. They are able to job share they're able to have flexible work hours, perhaps they have paid volunteer time i mean there are, there are lots of interesting differences that women bring to business management and leadership that that uh once we get more and more of them um it really will start changing the face of of what um business success means and what it looks like.
0: Absolutely. So, Julie, uh, again, you've been a uh, wealth of knowledge, and we appreciate all of the work that you do on behalf of women business owners. Because the more of this research that gets out there, you know, the more visibility, the the greater the spotlight that shines on women-owned businesses, and that is always a plus. So, thank you for all that you do and for taking the time to be here today. You have lots of information out on your website. Uh, if anyone were interested in reading, this report, or others that you have done, and just uh, just a lot of the compilations that you've pulled together and, and have links to out there on your website. How would they how would they go out there and find that?
1: Well, they can certainly search or, or go to Womenable.com. Um, this report, Growing Under the Radar, there's a link from the front page of the website, and also uh, American Express Open, the underwriter of the report, um, has it on there website as well, um, and it, you re- referenced earlier the State of Women-Owned Businesses report. Um, links from um, to those reports are also on womenable.com and the American Express Open site, but um, definitely welcome to uh, to search my website and to just even you know Google or search um, Women-Owned Businesses Growing Under the Radar, which is the title of the report, report and it ought to pop right up.
0: And you have a newsletter. If, if um, I believe you can sign up for that just by
1: going to your site, is that correct? I do, yes. It's a quarterly electronic newsletter so it doesn't you know, end up spamming too much in the person's inbox. And what I try to do in that newsletter is just bring to my readership um, some of the biggest trends and interesting research and other uh, policy and program activities that's going on to support women's entrepreneurship all around the world. So it's you know, it's more for those interested in the field of women's entrepreneurship as opposed to you know business tips for growing a individual business right they can go out to com for the latter. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but if but if you uh,
0: are interested in signing up for Julie's newsletter and accessing some of the reports that we've referenced today, as well as lots of other research that Julie has conducted or um, has links to, you can go to womenable.com, W-O-M-E-N-A-B-L-E dot C-O-M. So, Julie, thank you so much for being here today. You're very welcome, Kelly. Great to talk to you. And you as well. And if you'd like to stay connected with us, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at I Think Bigger, or you can like our Facebook page, Thinking Bigger Business. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.
1: This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.